over a thousand generations of Jedi Knights and Guardians of Peace, Justice, Hello, and welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic. It's been a while, but you know what? We're back. Uh, we're here, and we are very excited to uh, to be with you once again. As always, my name is Luke, and I am joined by my co-host, Kelsey, and we are here to talk to you about... Well, we're going to talk to you about some stuff that's not really from the Old Republic, but uh, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're we going to get into that. Um, but uh, yeah, if you haven't, you should listen to the uh, the episode that we've uh, recently released um, about, that is about, uh, you know, the show, uh, kind of reorganizing the show and what we're doing going forward and everything like that. Um, and if you're looking for something uh, along the lines of, you know, what we know about uh, the KOTOR remake so far... Um, that'll be coming along soon. Um, it's, uh, you know, we don't know a ton. I don't think anybody really does, uh, you know, in terms of specifics, but, uh, yeah, well, uh, that'll, that'll be, that'll be something, uh, that we talk about here, uh, very soon. But anyway, um, you know, welcome back to a people's history of the old Republic. I believe we are still the only old Republic exclusive podcast around, um, you know, but if we aren't, uh, we were the first one, so there you go. Uh, if you haven't listened to our, uh, uh, you know, if you haven't listened to our short episode about bringing the podcast back, here's what happened. As you know, we went on a hiatus for a little while. We finished our Republic narrative after covering every standalone Old Republic story in the Legends continuity, and we believed that there would be no new Old Republic content forthcoming for a few years so we moved on started a new podcast about the politics of star wars called thunderous applause but uh yeah they sure showed us huh uh, star wars and aspire gaming announced a kotor remake due out in 2022 which changed things up on us it would be too difficult to continue doing two Star Wars podcasts simultaneously, especially with Fotor needing much more attention as the remake gets closer to release. So Kelsey and I resurrected Fotor. Here we are, as promised, and have consolidated Thunderous Applause under the Fotor name. That means we'll still be talking about the real world and in-universe politics of Star Wars while also giving updates on the Kotor remake and other Old Republic info we find along the way. As we get closer, the show will obviously talk more about KOTOR, but, you know, we'll get there when we get there. Um, we also have a Patreon. We also have a Patreon um, where you can hear additional patron-exclusive ep episodes, ask us questions we'll answer here, join our Discord with other subscribers and more. Um, it's just $5 a month. Uh, we don't have the... Uh, we don't have that website up uh, just yet, but we will soon enough. Anyway... We're here to talk about the politics of the Force, and uh, hmm. where to begin? Well, um. it's always best <laughs> to start with the basics. Um, so let's start with what the Force is. Um, and, of course, we can't hear it while you're listening at home, but you are always welcome to greet any part of our episode with thunderous applause. We're still going to carry that for it. So, mm -hmm. well, <clears throat> depending on what Star Wars story you're consuming, the Force is either an all-consuming energy all-encompassing energy field that gives Jedi and Sith superpowers, or it's a wily trickster god that robs beings of free will to get them to do its nebulous will. Um, shout out to Kraya. <coughs> um, 
It also seems like those two aspects exist at the same time. As the Jedi teach, there is both a living force, which gives a force user their powers, and the godlike cosmic force, which has a will and a purpose of its own. In that case, the living force is a seemingly eternal and immutable energy field, always existing for new force users to draw upon, while the cosmic force is the part that moves things around per its whims, but even that explanation has problems. For starters, the living force may not be immortal. In KOTOR 2, Darth Trya and some Jedi Masters believe the galaxy could be deafened to the force by killing it using very powerful wounds in the force. Though whether such a thing was actually possible is debatable. What's more, even the cosmic force isn't immune to such changes. In the canon, the cosmic force went silent for 29 years for unknown reasons, between 5 after the Battle of Yavin and 34 after the Battle of Yavin, before re-emerging during the events of The Force Awakens. We don't even know what actually that means, as it was a plot point in the film that was never really expanded upon again, but it certainly happened. In some circumstances, the Force seems to have a sense of morality and care about the dichotomy between good and evil, as it did in Return of the Jedi when it intervened to allow Anakin to become a Force ghost after he killed Palpatine. The Force acted as a literal god, dispensing salvation on Anakin Skywalker's immortal soul in a fashion quite similar to the Protestant deathbed confession. But if the Force cares about a moral framework of good and evil, of dark and light, it has a funny way of showing it. Dark side users still receive visions from the Force and believe they can know the will of the Force, becoming a vessel for it and following the seemingly predetermined path it set for them. But if it seeks to impose a moral good, why does it continue to facilitate the bad? Further, the Force's machinations, however inscrutable they may be, aren't even limited to just Force users. Take Han Solo, who is not Force-sensitive, but has an almost preternatural sense of luck that followed him everywhere, almost like the Force has, was always moving him into position to aid Luke and Leia in the destruction of the Empire. And, as we all know, there's no such thing as luck, just the Force. That's right. Uh, so what we're going to do with these episodes is probably going to take at least two, maybe maybe more, um, is we're going to talk about the different aspects of the Force and kind of go into them and, uh, you know, debate it and look at it and see if there, see, see what we generally can draw from it. Um, we're going to start with uh, the Living Force, which if you don't know what that is, we're going to talk about it in just a second. And then uh, after that, we'll talk about the Cosmic Force. And uh, then at the end, we'll talk about what is known as uh, as, luck, as solo luck. We'll talk about how luck kind of works in uh, Star Wars. So, you know, the living force is just everything about the force that doesn't have to do with its will. You know, it's the all-encompassing energy field that binds the universe together and links all life together, blah, 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 blah. You know, this includes force sensitivity, disturbances in the force, midichlorians, basically like any um, any physical manifestations of the force uh, here. Like it, it very much adheres to Kenobi's description in A New Hope. 
you know, the force is an energy field that binds everything together and it gives a Jedi its power. And it's very, it's also very similar to, you know, Yoda in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Yoda mentions, you know, that the force flows, th- flows through all living things and, uh, and, and is even created by things like rocks. So, you know, technically non-living things in nature also have the force move through them and bind them. Um, and, you know, Kelsey, correct me if I'm wrong, but this, this aspect of the force seems to be totally apolitical in terms of, you know, how it operates in the universe, because, you know, users of the dark side can still use the force for evil. You know, they aren't cut off from it when, when they do bad things or something like that. It seems, you know, it it seems not to have a, uh, not, not to have a real, um, uh, good evil aspect there to me. Yeah. This is a force in the sense of sort of an ambient superstructure, of the universe that exists but can only be uh, seen or acted upon by people with like a special ability or affinity for it. Um, it would be something like um, in like fantasy universes, you might have like a winds of magic sort of thing where like it's there and it's there all the time, and then people are tapping into this ambient resource to use it in different ways. Um, and that's sort of how we get this and how we get it so that uh force users of all stripes can still draw on um the same power yeah yeah i i I agree and i a lot of times with the stuff especially with the force i kind of like to compare it to like real real world aspects and to me this this part of the force like the living force i guess would kind of be like gravity like uh every human every rock every tree every everything both you know on earth and everywhere else in our galaxy and universe are uh you know bound together by gravity in meaningful ways and it, and it operates on us in in meaningful ways but gravity is you know it's a, it's just a force of nature it's not or you know it's 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 something that exists in our galaxy and it's not something that uh uh um you know judges uh you know the just and the unjust and you know it, it you know you, you if you're a good guy you fall let you fall uh more slowly so you know gravity saves your life or whatever when you don't just splat into the ground you know that's not how it works um so you, like i mean that's kind of how i think about it you know and and i'm uh, kelsey i don't know about you but i'm i'm one of uh, like to me the force kind of just seems like a um uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, the force just kind of seems like a um, like a continuum to me. Like I don't see the force as like like when they're saying you know use the dark side or use the light. Um, to me, that more means like the intent you put into it, like how you do it, because most of the stuff that they're doing, you know, is you know. The difference between, you know, just put, pushing someone back to give yourself more space to defend yourself and choking someone, they're both forms of like telekinesis. You're moving things with your mind, but, you know, one is just being used to push people back to give yourself defensive perimeter, and the other is, you know, being applied to someone to choke them. So, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of how I see it. I don't know, you know, I, yeah, I, mean, I, that I, think, strikes... I think that's kind of a minority thing, but, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly... We get a lot of different explanations of the Force from different actors who have their own specific relationship to it and how they understand um, 
its relation to like the events of of uh, mere mortals um and so it's easy to see it as like intent matters a lot that certainly lines up with um especially the original trilogy reading and how we can see anakin um redeemed at the end um after you know uh, a a lifetime full of evil <laughs> um but there's but it's also like it also works for a reading of it sort of as as a resource and then it kind of like is the when we're when we're talking about what is the the overall superstructure of the force if we see it as both like here's an ambient resource and then here's also a kind of wind that shapes things by how it blows there's a whole lot mm-hmm. um, of space to play in that yeah yeah for sure and you know it's you know it, it, i mean it really doesn't matter you know because like they you know <laughs> force lightning force lightning is still cool as hell you know and and uh and and light side force powers are cool too so you know <laughs> either way they're good with me um and so we kind of um i think the the cosmic force is more concerned with balance so to say but the living force you know also kind of seeks balance in terms of like you know it just meaning that all life coexists in harmony um but you know it what this actually means in practice, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any idea, you know, in, in the prequels, the Jedi were so worried about balance and, and bringing balance to the force, even though there were like, you know, 10,000, 10,000 Jedi in the galaxy and like only two Sith and the Sith were hiding, but the dark side was supposedly growing exponentially at that time. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to, I never know what to make of the balance thing just because like, yeah, I I have, I have no, (laughs) no concept of what to, of what to make of the balance thing. Like, you know, well you, you know, in the end you did it. You killed all the, you killed all the Jedi and all the Sith. (laughs) There you go. Good job, Vader. I guess, I guess you did it, buddy. Um, that always felt like a weird limit in how the story was framed. And there's been effort um, through uh, a lot of the other ter- uh, properties that since the since Phantom Menace, especially that delve into um, pre a new hope space of looking at what was out of whack, what was unbalanced. And we get a mixed range of understandings of these things there's certainly like we get the the very occasional gray jedi which i'm sure we'll touch on at some point uh we've certainly touched upon earlier in photor but we where the idea of no the force is just a thing and you're trying to force it into this morality is really unhelpful but there's even like a sense of um and something i think that the the clone war series flushes out more which is still technically old republic even if it's the exact waning days of the old republic um, is the idea that what happened is not so much that the Jedi were like, oh, the Sith are rising. It's that they lost their ability to see, and that mm-hmm. fell out of whack. And so suddenly, um, while they were abundant and plentiful, they're sort of blind to the mm-hmm. future vision offered by the Force and have to figure that out. And I could see unbalanced in that sense where they're thrown off kilter, but it's a long stretch to get there from, like, we need balance in the Force. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's like there's that really like it's a weird line to me that never gets touched that that they never touch back on. I think it's at the beginning of Attack of the Clones where Mace tells the council, he's like, you know, we need to inform the Senate that we're losing our connection to the force. And I've I've always I've always found that I've always found that particular line so so weird because it's never really touched upon again and I guess maybe it is just there to be like to show that the Jedi understand that something is changing and it's not just them being like you know paranoid about a you know a, a possible plot or something like that like they're actually losing like a physical connection or whatever but at the same time I'm just like I don't know I like the balance thing is one of the, like you know, I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times. The balancing is one of those things about the prequels where, like, I, un- I kind of understand what George is going with because you talk about balance and Zen, and that's a big part of, like, the Buddhist stuff, which he, uh, of Buddhism, which he aped a lot of his ideas from. But at the same time, it's like, man, man, what the hell? Like, like what the is this right i'm sure that there is an understanding of balance that occurred to lucas that he felt was self-explanatory and he Mm -hmm. put it in and then we've had lots of work trying to figure out what was so intuitive about it was it that the jedi were no longer fulfilling their role was it that they um that the republic was allowing so much harm it didn't matter that there were more jedi than there were Mm -hmm. sith there's Mm -hmm. a lot that Hmm. Every tale of the of the um, end of the old republic is full of oh here's how all the the sort of sup- the 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 created structure of the universe the um, the senate the warring facts between Nate, the fact that you can have um, corporations raising their own armies and charging and there's a whole lot in all of this mess um, that makes it very clear that the force is not creating a balanced life for people or that the force Mm -hmm. is unable to provide that. And that could all be off, but we have to really like take the effort to read that in when it's presented as, well, there are thousands of Jedi and now there are two Sith and that is, Mm -hmm. and if that's the one axis things are balanced on, it's weird that the Sith, um, counteract that unless every sith is like a super massive black hole of force energy yeah yeah it's but you know what you said earlier about the about the republic thing like the republic is so rotten and you know maybe maybe the idea of balance there was that what it's not like the there is an imbalance but the jedi are perceiving it wrongly it's not like an imbalance in the force that like there is an imbalance, but it's not like an imbalance of like the the dark side growing. The imbalance is created by the corruption that A is in the Republic and that B that the Jedi are allowing to occur. And you know, it's really interesting. I've I've never I've never thought about it like that. But I mean that that might be and you know, maybe that is the cause for the growing dark side. Like, yes, the Sith are there and the Sith are there to harness the growing darkness and uh, you know, obviously Palpatine is, is moving everything behind the scenes, but I mean, that's a, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting way of framing it that I've never thought about before. Well, it's also, uh, um, go ahead. Yeah. It's go also, ahead. it's also a little complicated because 
we have this sort of understanding. We get this understanding in the movies, and then the uh, the uh, the rest of the material around Star Wars complicates it, where there's other Force traditions besides the Jedi mm-hmm. and besides the the Sith, um, and those are. Um, specifically, like they are Sith adjacent, perhaps right. We have like the Night Sisters. We have mm-hmm. Zepho. We have Rakata. We have Barando. There's a whole other range of how living beings interact with the Force, and so mm-hmm. um, it's unclear that other traditions, which may tap more into what the Jedi would term the dark side, the light and the dark side, uh, suddenly get the the short shrift mm-hmm. in this balancing act. Um, and so, mm-hmm. if the Force seeks balance, why does it place this onus on? a lone individual, right? Why does Anakin mm-hmm. become the linchpin of all of this? And if this individual brings balance, what's to say it won't be unbalanced the very next day, right? Like the problem yeah. with a single person is it's very easy for them to be a a flawed point instead of a stabilizing influence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that that's the thing. Like, I mean, I, I, completely, I completely understand why... Um, you know, why there's a chosen one, why, you know, all of that stuff. It's the Campbell, the Campbellian mono, Joseph, if you're unfamiliar, Joseph Campbell, um, came up with, you know, this idea of the monomyth and the chosen one. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of ink has been spilled about, you know, whether he's right or wrong. And, and certainly Campbell's original conception of the monomyth was, short-sighted because it didn't focus enough on all monomyths it was very uh narrowly focused on like european things and and the bible obviously um and uh but i mean there there is there is a truth there that you know these that that there are all these kind of stories and they follow these same kind of patterns and and you know george was attempting to do that full stop like the original trilogy is the is the monomyth like it when the you know the 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 young unknown protagonist is, is you know has power and they discover it they they leave their home and you know they go out into the universe and 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 defeat evil and the the prequels are are the same thing just telling the monomyth from the story like Basically, you know, you're telling the story of Jesus because you, you know, you find the savior as a small boy and then, you know, kind of go from there and they grow up and you follow that along. And so I understand why he did that. But, you know, the the balance thing just uh, it it always it, it always confounds me. And I mean, the thing about it is like. I mean, I'm we'll definitely talk about it when we talk about the, the cosmic force, but like balance is you know, is, is an inherent, it's almost an inherent value judgment unless you are, uh, unless like, you know, the force can stand outside of, of it. It can, can stand outside the universe and be, you know, look at it like a bar graph, like, well, we've got this much dark side and we've got this much light side and blah, 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 blah. But I mean, even stuff like that would, would require value judgment because you'd have to determine what is dark and what's light and what's good and what's bad. So yeah. Uh, confusing. Um, <laughs> the politics of Star Wars, uh, a land of contrast. <laughs> <all of> <laughs> um, yeah. So another way the living force, uh, works is that it manifests, uh, lim- I-, I called it, I'm going to call them liminal spaces, uh, because that's the best way I can describe them. Um, uh, 
it manifests these liminal spaces in the physical plane of existence that can be used or interacted with by by individual force users. Um, Kelsey, Mortis. Oh, Mortis, the, the Mortis realm. <laughs> the Mortis realm is God. It's the trippiest part. Um, so we see this in the Clone Wars, which again, right? The Clone mm. Wars takes place is. The Clone Wars is the last thing that the Old Republic does. Um, and so the realm of Mortis, um, and they'll show up in the show, you will, it's uh, unmistakable, this mm. arc, and it's home to physical manifestations of the Force. There's the father who represents balance, the son and daughter who represent the dark and light side, respectively. It exists outside of time and only exists physically as a giant metal octahedron when it seeks to draw visitors to the realm it i had to look up i had to look up what an octahedron was. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically just uh two you know 3d pyramids uh stacked on top of one another that's what it is yeah. anyway good times it's yeah it's it's wild it also it very much the mortis arc is the part of clone wars that feels the most like a star trek thing where you stumble mm. upon a weird object in space and then you're in a pocket universe to solve it um <laughs> it's wild and it's a it's um unsubtle i would say is the way to yeah, describe I mean, that arc it's the least subtle thing but it's kind of it works it's high drama it's high stakes it's mm-hmm. very very weird and it's all it's all anakin Oh yeah. Yeah, it it works and it's so funny that Mortis is the arc that every single person who watches the Clone Wars agrees that you know, the first couple seasons are very are more kid focused than than the later seasons and that was a conscious choice. They they changed it after a little while. They kind of aged up the characters a little. They got more mature, you know, especially like Ahsoka and Anakin, you know, they got a little bit more mature and everything like that. And then you get to this story like Mortis and it's like, okay, uh, you know, I guess spoilers for a very old episode of the Clone Wars, but you know, Ahsoka dies and is resurrected on the planet. Um, Anakin sees his future as Darth Vader and knows it and starts to go on a rampage because he can't square all of these like, uh, conflicting ideas in his head. Um, and this is only ended when like all three of these physical aspects of the force are killed or allow themselves to be killed. Um, and, uh, before they leave Anakin's mind is wiped and it's like, it's just this whole, like, it, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. It's like, it shows you what like a kid show can be when it starts to like take the take like the more serious implied aspects of the series like how like being the chosen one just really would fuck you up beyond you know beyond anything else and and um and, and you know if, if this is if, if this is like an energy field that binds everything then it can create these physical spaces um and it just yeah it's a really it's a really good story and it's the one like i mean i personally think it kind of the the show kind of starts to age up like at the very end of the second season but like mortis is like the the backstop everybody it that that's the change point for, <laughs> for the clone wars that everybody understands and like well before you know bm and am before mortis after mortis. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. It, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. We'll, you know, talk about more of that uh, in our Clone Wars review series, which we're doing uh, on the Patreon. Uh, yeah, which uh, Kelsey's going to start joining in on, which is going to be really cool uh, because me doing it by myself is, uh, yeah, just uh, it's just me being like, hey, I recognize that thing. Hey, that's kind of interesting. Hey, here's a thing. And I am always, yeah, always yeah. happy to, to take my time talking Clone Wars. I, I apparently can't, yeah. can't stop doing it. Um, so in a related yeah. thing, it's it's oh, post. Well, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, one thing I wanted to say is, uh, you know, we're about to talk about the world between worlds. And a lot of people get hung up on the world between worlds because there because there's there's like uh, time travel to of a, a limited sense in the world between worlds but uh it should be noted that the mortis realm is uh absolutely just fucks with time and space like it fucks up their time because originally anakin obi-wan and ahsoka are drawn there because of a, a signal a, a signal that hasn't been used by jedi in 2000 years and uh everybody who reports uh everybody who reports on on what happened says that they were only their their ship disappeared for like 10 minutes and then was back and they were all unconscious so it's like it it's a mortis is a pocket realm that the force has created or manifested or whatever and i mean it literally acts as time travel because they appear to be on mortis for like I don't know, three or four days, but everyone else says they were gone for like 10 minutes. So anyway, we're all between worlds. Sorry. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. The, yeah. So, so, so Mortis is the lion, the witch in the wardrobe and world between worlds. It's instead, um, it's a pocket dimension. Uh, we see it in rebels, um, which is post old Republic, but it's time travel. We're allowing it. And it's an important way to understand, um, how we see the force and especially how, uh, Filoni sees the force. Um, mm. So, World Between Worlds is a pocket dimension that can be entered by some Force users and used to view the past and, in some instances, uh, physically overcome space and time to intervene in events that happened many years before, um, though there are consequences for such actions. Yoda used the World Between Worlds to keep tabs on existing Jedi during his exile on Dagobah, uh, speaking to Ashoka and Ezra Bridger as well as Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's so the the world between worlds like it, it, it's kind of I guess it's a little bit controversial in the fandom like some people it bothers some people um and like basically what we see of it is that um force users can go in there they can see um they can see things that have happened in the past there appear to be different things that you can hear uh disembodied voices of other force users um you know and there and and in the episode we, we hear like famous things you know famous phrases and sayings from uh um uh from from the movies and from the series um and uh, you know in it, it ezra uses ezra like intervenes in um in the past to save Ahsoka from Vader when they were on uh, the planet Malachor, which had happened in, in the show, it happened about two years before. And, you know, the only, the only reason that this is like that, that this is able to function is because nobody else was on, was on Malachor at the time. Everybody else was gone and, you know, it, it didn't cause any disruptions, but um, later in the episode, 
Palpatine, Palpatine, who can't enter the world between worlds directly, is trying to get in there by tempting Ezra to save uh, his former master, Kanan, who had just died very recently. But Ahsoka points out that if he intervenes and removes Kanan from the scenario, then the firebomb that Kanan was blocking would have killed uh, Ezra, him, Ezra himself, Hera, and uh, Sabine. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where if it had happened, uh, Ezra would have been basically cha- uh, trading himself for someone else. So, so it does have consequences um, <laughs> to this uh, to this weird thing. Uh, I mean, I like the world between worlds, um, but I do, but um, I do also find it interesting, like how how it ma- how it manifests, because you know, Palpatine can't enter it for some reason like i don't know if that it's not explained if that's just because he's a dark side or if he's trying to enter it from a place where like it's not you can't normally go into it um uh, yeah it's i I i like the world between worlds but um it 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 presents it presents a lot of questions and felonia said that they're not going to use it for like time travel purposes and I'm fine with it as long as it stays like that, but Star Wars doesn't really need uh, time travel other than hyperspace, which is already technically. <laughs> yeah, right. we've, we've already, as as astute Food Tour listeners will know, we already have time travel well uncovered with Tlotany Throws a Shape. Um, so, right, the World Between Worlds, it also, um, it's also, it's funny that it, um, in the extremely non-canon uh, Lego uh, Star Wars holiday special, the World Between Worlds shows up, and I, I bring it up um, one because it's funny, but also because um, and, and we'll 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 have a holiday episode this year, I, I imagine. But also, um, it has the same characteristic as it does in Rebels, where the port the entrance is linked to a physical space, where you have a specific. This is and this sort of ties into what. Do we understand the force? And like the force sort of has um, physical manifestations or physical sights to it. The uh, part of I think the the better world building of Star Wars is you have um, this architecture of the galaxy which has ruins of unbelievably ancient um, civilizations, and they have force artifacts and features around that can sometimes be stumbled upon. And we get that more in the shows because the shows are free to do like a a uh, mystery of the week episode format, but you can still see it. Um, and it's neat when it does. And it points to, Oh, this isn't just like a thing that's with you sort of all the time, whether you're in like a dive in Coruscant or just out on the middle of Lothal. It's here is a thing that has like, there's ley lines kind of stuff to it, which is like a sort of old <laughs> understanding of um, magical power. In And there's a lot of that reflected it's a neat interpretation and a way to sort of make it physically manifest and it does show up sometimes in the movies right i think um the uh the training sequences in last jedi also really touch on this yeah yeah and i mean it's something that uh that you know that 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 does tie back to um the original trilogy because in empire yoda does say that you know he long long have i watched you know luke and you know i mean i i guess like technically you know he could be like you know i sensed him through the force or or whatever but i mean it you know 
it, it's one of those things that you kind of pick up in like seeds along the way and it's like okay yeah like i like i can see how like you know he could use the force on like dagobah because it's you know so it's so full of life and force energy and everything like that and it's like um you know i i yeah i i find it i, I find it um I find it interesting and, and, you know, kind of compelling. And I mean, it's definitely like, it's something that could be used as an easy storytelling, storytelling device, because you could have, you know, some, you could be like, Oh, um, you know, Yoda is speaking to, to Ezra or Ahsoka or someone and, and, you know, they enter the world between worlds and they're like, you know, let's look at, you know, something that happened, you know, however many thousands of years ago and you can like take a look at it. And that's kind of the way that you could use it to like get into different eras, you know, like, oh, let's look at the high Republic. Let's look at the old Republic, you know, like whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, as a storytelling device, it's there. I'm, a hundred percent positive that it will be in uh the kenobi series and the ahsoka series um especially since uh we know that hayden christensen is coming back to play um uh definitely vader and uh, i think it's been confirmed that he's going to reprise some stuff as anakin uh, at least in the Ahsoka series, but I may be wrong. So that may be flashbacks or something like that. But, you know, uh, it could be, you know, her seeing something in the world between worlds or whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway, world between worlds, living force, physical manifestations, liminal spaces, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, one of the but but, you know, one of the big um, the big parts of the living force um, that 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 we see in um that that we see in the series it kind of recurs and and it's especially a theme like in all of the expanded universe um legends and and the new canon stuff is is the idea of um how the force did literally bind all life together in imperceptible ways um that could usually only be seen or felt by force users. The most obvious examples of this are the concepts of, of force bonds and disturbances in the force, um, you know, which are, uh, are, are recurring, um, especially, especially in the expanded universe. As I said, um, force bonds are, are created when force sensitive individuals intentionally or unintentionally form deep connections with others that can both transcend time and space. Uh, sometimes these uh, form due to love as with the bond as with the bond that Le- Leia felt with Han Solo. Though Han was not force sensitive, Leia was and subconsciously created a bond when Han was killed by Kylo Ren. Uh, the bond was severed, causing Leia both mental anguish at the loss of her beloved husband, uh, but also physical pain from the sudden act. Another example of the bond between force users who are close for what uh, another example is the bond between force users who are close for whatever reason. Star Wars is filled with countless examples of Jedi feeling their Padawan's death or vice versa through the force. And indeed, this is a textbook way to distract and kill a Jedi, according to HK 47 in in, in KOTOR. I think it's actually in KOTOR 2 where that comes up. But uh, either way, uh, probably the most famous example of this is Luke and Leia's connection that Luke Luke uses to contact Leia for rescue from that weather vane under Cloud City. Uh, though Leia wasn't known to be force sensitive at the time, this was done, and it was later retconned to be a byproduct of their strong 
Force bond as twins. The bond between Luke and Leia also shows up in The Last Jedi when Luke reestablishes his connection to the Force, and then both Leia and Rey can feel Luke's, feel Luke's death. Yeah, uh, Force bonds, um, <laughs> big, uh, big thing. Yeah, it, big, big stuff. <laughs> big, big, big cosmic feelings. Uh, big cosmic. <laughs> Felix, it's an interesting way to do it. It's an important way. I think it sort of uh, has obvious, obvious precedent in how you tell storytelling. But it really, um, and you could look at it right as a cheat for how do you get people across the vast distances of space to feel things and react in real time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it also, I think, works with the idea where the force is something that lets things happen simultaneously across great distances. Anyway, that's sort of a big understanding of um, of this universe and underpinning of this universe, and it's why that the universe itself is so connected, and the that that bond between it is so important. And imagine that if the Jedi start feeling their weak, the weakening of this or the the loss of their connection, they're also losing that uh, that level of, of bonding with with their 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 peers and friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it it seems to be something that uh, can either um, that they they form uncon mostly subconsciously, like you know uh, when you know Han and Leia are falling in love, or you know when any but when any other force users falling in love in the galaxy, they're not you know going into the force and being like okay we you know gonna gonna mend these these things together you know in in tiny ways and and fix them like that but um what it uh what it does um is you know it forms and you kind of get this ability uh for people to feel things and in some cases you know they can uh they can see each other's surroundings and um and, you know, and that's kind of where you get this idea, um, at least in the canon of a, a force dyad, um, which happens very rarely and connects two force users so innately that they can kind of transfer feelings, thoughts, words, and in some cases, even physical objects between themselves. Uh, this concept was created for the rise of Skywalker, but it's easy to see how the dyad can be applied to like two very close individuals for any Star Wars story and will almost certainly be used as a narrative conceit for the connection between Revan and Bastila whenever KOTOR finally becomes canon in the future. Uh, that's just a little prediction, but uh, yeah, I would, if I was a betting man, I would bet most of the money that I have on that being the, uh, on that being the excuse for that in the future. Because I mean, the, the idea like of, uh, you know, of Ray and, and Ben like passing the lightsaber between one another is, you know, kind of, uh, uh hokey and weird. Uh, but it, I mean, uh, it, Revan and Basil can, I mean, like they can like see each other surrounding, like it, it's, I don't know. It, it's not that it annoys me like to an extent, but it's not that big a jump. And so, you know, just, just transporting this idea of the dyad, uh, to, you know, to that seems like a very obvious jumping off point to me. Uh, absolutely. And if there's anything we know about works outside the, the film canon, it's that they get cleaned up duty for what, for the hasty decisions of screenwriters. Uh, Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, so, Kelsey, um, disturbances. Oh, right. Yes. So, disturb- Dis- disturbing disturbances. Yes. I mean, this is sort of the. I think this is the definitive use case um, or understanding of how how the force operates on the whole level. I think it's probably the the cleanest moment of what it means. So disturbances in the force are created when the imperceptible force bonds that connect the entire galaxy are suddenly severed, usually from catastrophic loss of life. The most obvious example here is uh, Obi-Wan feeling the destruction of Alderaan through the force in A New Hope, Uh, but we also see it with Leia in The Force Awakens as she senses the destruction of the Hosnian system by Starkiller Base, Um, which is a good callback, but I think it lands with obi-wan in a way it really doesn't in um yeah in a in first awakens through no through no fault of carrie fisher's obviously um but also um we have we have our old republic uh force disturbances so um in kotor 2 in legends extremely powerful disturbances in the force would create wounds in the force which happened when the loss of life was so massive that it literally weakened the fabric of the force in certain areas the wound would then radiate echoes of the pain and suffering, which um, would go through the force from the epicenter or wound that could distort the force, making it difficult to uh, even use force near the wound in some cases. These wounds could also manifest on individuals who improbably survived catastrophes, such as the Battle of Malachor V, and at least in the cases of Darth Nihilus, and the uh, Jedi exile Mitra Surik, these wounds then gave them massive power on cosmic scales. Nihilus was able to consume all life on a planet through his wound, and Surik was the only being who Nihilus couldn't consume through the Force. Surik is unique in all of Star Wars in that she unintentionally and unknowingly created Force bonds with every Force user she was near, and the destruction of Malachor V severed so many connections so rapidly that she was forced to subconsciously cut herself off from the Force to save her own life. In the whole long history of Star Wars, no one has ever subconsciously cut themselves off from the Force except Mitra Surik. Yeah, and I mean, if you're if you're a long time listener to uh, Fotor, you will no doubt remember um, our series on Kotor on uh, Kotor Two, which uh, uh, Kotor Two. Uh, I mean, it's a game about a lot of things, but I mean, uh, the wound the wound in the force is is kind of the primary um, the primary uh, plot device here. It it moves everything else around it. The the Jedi exile the, your player character the exile is is a wound in the force. Uh, one of your the the most powerful enemy you face in the game. Well, I don't know, probably second most. Cray uh, is pretty powerful. Um, is himself a literal wound in the force who just eats planets. Um, that that's how powerful he is. Uh, you know, Cray and as we discussed earlier, Treya uh, Kraya is trying to use a wound in the force to literally kill the force and, and stop it from from existing because she sees the force as anathema to free will and blah 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 and then there's a whole you know libertarian thing there and yeah yeah anyway um yeah the the wounds the wounds are a very interesting um uh, a very a very interesting thing i i don't know i don't know that we're ever going to see um 
to, to see them come back in the same way. I mean, they've already kind of talked about wounds in the forest and they've kind of sort of mentioned echoes as well in the new canon. But, you know, a lot of times people will be like, oh, they need to do a um, uh, they need to do a, a KOTOR 2 remake. And aside from the thing that like KOTOR 2 really does try to like break down Star Wars and um, deconstruct it as, as much as, as much as they could get away with. Um, it, it, I mean, they're, they're probably not going to be rushing back to do that. Giving, given how like the last Jedi, which also did a deconstruction just on a much, much, much tamer level. Um, because of the reaction that 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 received from from some people but also you know this whole idea of the wounds in the forest being used to kill the force i really don't know if killing the force is going to be something they want to revisit um you know you don't uh you don't want to give people the impression that you can kill the uh you know the, the goose that lays the golden egg now do you it's yeah i don't know if you want to know yeah. from a writing perspective <laughs> Yeah, it turns out that if you introduce a universe where there is a magical superstructure that makes all cool things possible, having a long plot arc that eventually ends in the destruction of that resource uh, mm -hmm. loses readers each stage you go. And yes, obviously, I'm talking about Dune here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare you talk about Dune, which is obviously based on Star Wars. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> obviously, obviously, yeah. Uh, Frank Herbert used the world between worlds to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I do, you know, just a short aside, I do enjoy, you know, the people that are like, oh, you know, did you realize, like, Star Wars is based on Dune? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, <laughs> Lucas, like, Lucas wasn't very shy about, like, what he was aping from. He was like, I love Flash Gordon. I love Kurosawa films. Dune is a, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a big sand planet that has two suns instead of two moons. I, uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, it's another thing. It's like poetry. It rhymes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's something. Uh, yeah. yeah. So for um, an area of um, of a of sort of a similar mythical space, but to, to pull it back to our our universe here and leave all that that space behind, another mm. way we can see um, the the power of force connections um, is in the uh, form of battle meditation, uh, which is a rare force ability that allows the user to heighten the stamina, teamwork, morale and military capabilities of the user's allies uh, just buffs all around to the team. This would, in turn, simultaneously reduce the combat effectiveness of the enemy as they would not be able to keep up with the newfound edge of their opponents. Buffs and debuffs are real, my friends. In Legends, Battle Meditation mm -hmm. was a prominent ability used during the era of the Old Republic. Um, it's prominently featured as a plot device used by uh, Naga Sadao, Odin Ur, Arkajeth, and Nomi Sunrider in the Tales of the Jedi comics by Bastila Shan in KOTOR and by the Jedi Exile in KOTOR 2. A similar yet slightly different force ability was known as Force Meld in Legends, but has since been canonized in the High Republic series in the form of the network of Force users that Jedi Master Avar Chris can create. Force Meld links Force sensitives together, allowing them to move, think, fight, and generally deal with situations better. 
The line between this and bowel meditation is somewhat fuzzy, but you get the idea. The living force can be used to create metaphysical links between force sensitives and others to help them fight more effectively, both in small groups as well as entire armies. Um, and importantly, bowel meditation is used by both Jedi and Sith. Yeah, but I mean, battle meditation is uh, is one of those things that uh, that I uh, personally want to see more of because uh, you know I you know I, I love <laughs> I love the Old Republic and I want to see uh, battle meditation come back and uh, they kind of did it in the High Republic series. This thing that Avar Chris does, is, I would I would probably call it like a uh, like a combo between force meld and battle meditation. But um, you know, either way, it it just shows you like the limits of the limits of power that these people have, you know, just like Yoda said in, in the empire strikes back, the limits of power that, that these individuals have is, is really only limited by like what their physical, what they can kind of imagine and what their physical bodies can, can actually withstand because, um, you know, in the sense of, in the, in the instance of battle meditation, like for example, with, with Bastel Sean in, uh, the, the, uh, final battle of knights of the old republic uh the battle of the starforge they uh bastila returns to the light uh, after being tortured uh and turning to the dark side after being tortured for like a week um bastila returns to the light and uses her battle meditation to aid literally hundreds of thousands of uh uh, of Republic and Jedi forces fighting at this time like that, you know, it's, it's not something like, you know, Yoda, Yoda lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp. Like, yeah, that's crazy because he's like 26 inches tall and he lifted something that weighs 30 tons out of, out of a bog. But, you know, the fact that, that like Bastila and other characters are like linking hundreds and thousands of minds together and like giving them these edges, you know, like, uh, in, in the tales of the Jedi comics, you know, it's literally described as like, it boosts their morale. It boosts their ability. their like, um, their aim. Like it literally like, like it's like an aim boost or an aim assist. Like, it, so it's, you know, you know, that, that is the level of the living force that we're talking about, that it is, it is so, um, it's so, it's so powerful and so all encompassing that it can even reach into people like into thousands of people's minds simultaneously. And, you know, be like, Hey, you guys don't really like each other that much, but let's, let's win one for the Gipper and, <laughs> and, and, and put all that behind us. And everybody's just like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Like, like, yeah, that's man. Talk about a Sith Lord. To me. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, and, uh, battle meditation was introduced, uh, in, um, the uh, original Thrawn trilogy. Uh, it was said that Palpatine was using that at the um, Battle of Endor, and when he died, everybody lost battle meditation and blah, 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 blah. Um, but that's in Legends, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I w- at one point, I would have said they would have never reintroduced that, but, uh, yeah, uh, clone Palpatine back, so, you know, <laughs> here we are. Um, you know, the other, the, the one other aspect of, the living force that we didn't really touch on that much is midichlorians. And that's because, you know, every midichlorians are what they are. They are, <laughs> uh, most people dislike them. Um, they, they're problematic because of the whole blood quantum thing. Um, 
but at the same time, I think they've kind of been grooved. I personally think that they've kind of been grooved into the universe um, to, to where they're at least like palatable. It's at least palatable now. Like it's not like we don't really see the whole like, I've oh, got to check this kid's blood to make sure he's okay kind of thing. Um, except in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we've uh, we've definitely talked about that before. But yeah, just. Uh, Kelsey, anything uh, before we close this one out? I, anything on on everybody's favorite subject? Uh, your blood levels of tiny beings that connect you to the the, the only thing I have to say on that topic is that midichlorians are the powerhouse of the force. That is true. That is true. They, uh, the, yeah, midichlorians are the powerhouse of the force. The force is stored in the balls. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, the living force. Um, that we didn't really talk a whole lot about the politics uh about like you know how politics how we normally think about them in this one because uh, living force doesn't is not really um it doesn't make those value judgments in that way at least you know not that that we can really see you know it kind of applies to like everyone who can use the force to like a certain degree um and and it and it binds everything together so this you know it's more um uh i mean apolitical i guess is how is how we describe it in this parlance but you know i mean i don't know it's it's not it's not this aspect of the force is not concerned with the moral and ethical uh, like ways in which it is being used it is just a thing it's just a thing that exists like the atom you know like the atom didn't uh choose to become the basis for the way that we could destroy all life on this planet and uh you know scour all uh you know <laughs> and destroy it and turn it into a lifeless rock like Malachor Five was, um, yeah. But uh, but but you know we use the atom for for good and for ill. So yeah. Um, again, in the end, the force, a land of consciousness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, closing out here. Um, as always, uh, Kelsey. Uh, where where can the good people uh find your work? Your 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 many. Uh, your many writings um, on real world things that uh, that that have that have import and aren't silly. Uh, well, if you would silly. like to read about how um, <laughs> about how atoms can be used for evil, um, oh no, oh no! I mean, just in general, I write about military technology for Popular Science. You can also. Mm-hmm. I'm starting now. Uh, my first story is up at military.com. I do a newsletter at Wars of Future Past at Substack. Um, where uh, my latest one is a long digression into what it means to serve empire. Um, I think that's uh, worth a read. And then also, if you want to find very short doses of uh, my thoughts constantly, you can find me on Twitter at AthertonKD. There you go. There you go. Um, As always, my name's Luke. You can find me on Twitter uh, talking about whatever at... uh, at Luke is amazing. Uh, and you can find my, uh, my other podcast that I do, um, is a, it's a medieval history podcast. Um, we, uh, we kind of talk about, um, different things about, uh, the medieval era and uh, kind of how, uh, people, 
you know, even though we've changed technologically, we, we haven't really changed as people. And, you know, we kind of uh, do the same things uh, as our predecessors, both for, for good and evil. And uh, it's called We're Not So Different. You can find it uh, on wherever you listen to podcasts, probably on the very place you're listening right now. Um, or uh, you can find us on Twitter, WNSDPod. Um, and we also have a Patreon there as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash WNSDPod. Uh, anyway. Again, we thank you so, so much for listening to A People's History of the Old Republic. We are glad to be back, and uh, we are glad uh, to, to, to be going again and moving towards uh, more Old Republic content of some kind in the near future. Uh, so, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. May the Force be with you.